Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. I've got a message for you all this morning that I've entitled, I am willing. I am willing. I want to say thank you in advance to Brooke because I just gave her um, a lot of slides to use this morning. I got a lot of pictures for you guys. I'm a very visual person. I like to be able to see what I'm learning um, and what I'm talking about too. Yeah, I like having notes. Uh, you know, if, if you tell me to do something and I'm supposed to do that, there's a good chance I won't remember, but if I see it in a text or I have it in my calendar, I will make sure that thing gets done. I just, I like having this, getting to see it. All right, so I got a lot of slides and thank you, Brooke, who was willing uh, to help me out this morning. So I am willing. So much disagreement within Christianity and denominations and different churches boils down to this statement, is God willing? Uh, most religions in the world, most people who believe that there is a God or, or people who say if there is a God, they will all agree that God is able, that he has the power, that he can do whatever it is that he wants to do. But there's a lot of disagreement around this statement, this question, is God willing? We know that he can do it. You know, God can do whatever he wants to do, right? But, but does he want to do it for you? Does he want to help you in your situation? Does he want to comfort you in your loss and, and in your mourning? Does he want to strengthen you when you're feeling weak? Does he want to heal you when you're feeling sick? I am willing is the name of this message because this is all about how much God wants to help you, what he wants to do for your life. And so this morning, I really want to help you understand how powerful that statement, I am willing, really is. Because God is not only able, but he is willing to help you with whatever you have need of. Whatever's going on in your life, God wants to be there with you and for you and help you through that thing. And so we're going to read the story uh, where this statement actually comes up, where Jesus actually says the words, I am willing. And it's, it's about a, a man who has leprosy. And uh, there were a couple stories like this in the Bible, but this is one of the instances where a man who had leprosy came to Jesus and Jesus decided to heal him. Uh, and if you don't know what leprosy is, leprosy is a highly infectious disease. It's not a good disease. Back then, it was incurable. Thank God we have a cure today. But back then, there was no cure. And, and it, it does all sorts of things. It causes you um, to, your, your ner it affects your nerves. And so you'll stop losing feeling in, in your extremities and in, in your hands and in your feet and in your body. And it, you know, it'll lead to paralysis and it can lead to blindness. But, but because you stop losing feel, feeling and the ability to touch and feel, there, there will often be a lot of injuries. You'll, you'll accidentally cut yourself. You'll accidentally maybe chop off a limb. Like that stuff was known to happen. And because of that, it led to a lot of infections. It led to a lot of deformities. And there's actually a part of, of this disease that it actually begins because you don't have that feeling that your body will actually begin to absorb your fingers and toenails sometimes because it absorbs that extra cartilage and it almost looks like you begin to, you're, you're missing fingers and toes. It's a terrible disease, all right? Nobody wants leprosy, nobody wanted it back then. And lepers at that time, because of how contagious this was, they were required to live outside the city, outside the camps. They were required to be on their own. They, they had to wear torn clothes to be able to identify themselves when somebody came near. And whenever anybody came near, they were required to cover their mouth and say that they were unclean. 
all right? So you do not want to be a leper. So we get to Matthew chapter 8, verse 3, where uh, the, the man with leprosy came to Jesus. It says, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. And he said these words. He said, I am willing. He said, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Today, I want you to know that God is willing. And whatever your situation is, maybe you haven't been sure what God wants to do. Maybe you you felt like God is just really far away. Maybe you felt like there's no hope in your situation. But today, I want you to know, I want you to hear God saying, I am willing. I'm willing to step into your situation. I'm willing to make a change for you. I'm willing to work on your behalf. I'm willing to do whatever needs to be done to help you through what you're going through. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, Father. Thank you. Thank you for just this opportunity for us to come together and worship you and hear your word. I thank you that this morning that your word is going forth. God, that it's being planted in the hearts and in the lives of every person here that whatever situation, whatever um, stress, whatever burden that people here are carrying around this morning, that you're, you're just speaking to that situation and you're letting them know what your will is for their lives. Uh, God, I thank you that just every, every person that's here is receiving whatever they have need of, um, that you're present, you're in this room, you're speaking, you're moving, you're touching hearts, you're touching lives. Father, we love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I've got three things that I want to share with you about the willingness of God. Number one, God's willingness isn't affected by your condition. Number two, willingness is a part of God's character. And number three, God needs you to be willing to receive. All right, we're going to start with number one. So if you're taking notes, feel free to write these down. Um, They'll be on the screen throughout the message. Thank you, Brooke. You're amazing. Um, Number one, God's willingness isn't affected by your condition. So it says, then Jesus, if we go back to Matthew 8, 3, it said that he put out his hands and touched the leper, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And it really stood out to me the fact that he touched the leper, because especially right now, you can probably get some kind of understanding about what a no-no this was. You don't touch somebody with an infectious disease. If we went back and read that story through the context of COVID-19, you'd be like, oh, okay, Jesus. Yeah, you shouldn't have touched that guy. He did, did you ask him if he quarantined for two weeks? Had he gotten his negative test result yet? You, Jesus, did you not know? That's a highly infectious disease. But Jesus didn't ask those questions. He didn't pause. He didn't hesitate. He knew fully well what this man had, what his sickness was, how contagious it was, how debilitating it was. And without hesitation, he reached out and he touched the man and he healed and cleansed the man. And and that just kind of blew my mind because Jesus isn't susceptible to the situation He's not affected by your condition, and and that's completely opposite from what I feel like how we operate as humans, because as humans, we are very susceptible to the environment 
that we're in, especially, you know, when you're a high schooler or a teenager, you know, but even... Even as adults, we're so susceptible to the environments we're in. If you're in a, a toxic relationship, that will affect you. If you're in a, a negative work environment, that will affect you. It doesn't matter how strong your faith is. It doesn't matter how good of a Christian you are and how much you pray. You will be affected by the situation that you're in. That's just, unfortunately, that's just part of it. You're, we're, we're so susceptible to the, the things that we're uh, around. You know, I, when I go to like a family reunion for my dad's side of the family, um, they're all pretty country. And so sometimes I'll catch myself talking with a country accent. I'm like, I don't even have a country accent. I, didn't, I don't even know where this comes from. It's just people rub off on you. You rub off on other people. That's part of, of how it works. But God's not afraid of what you're going through. He's not worried that he's going to be affected or, or hurt by, by the condition that you're in. Um, for those of you who uh, don't know, my dad has a screen printing business, and I wanted to share a little bit, but I thought I'd give you just like a quick tour of what screen printing really is and how it works. If you don't know what screen printing is, it's the process of printing a shirt, and so it's basically putting ink and a design on a shirt. And my dad's had this business for, for a while, and I've gotten the chance to just help him on and off over the years. I haven't helped him out in a while. But real quick, I thought I'd just give you a, a couple quick visuals so you understand how this process works. So this first picture, this is a screen, all right? They paint the screen, and then they burn an image. I'm giving the really simplified version of it. My brother was sending me these pictures yesterday because he, he works with my dad. Um, they, they burn the image in the screen, and so what happens after this, if you go to the next slide, they put ink on the screen, and the ink will go through the image that they burnt on, and they have a little brush that they pull over the ink to, to get it on the shirt. The shirt's below that screen. And then if you go to the last slide, um, then the ink wears off on the screen, and then they have to run it through a, a, heat, a heater or a dryer to actually cure the ink. Um, because this ink, it's not like normal ink where it, it you know, just dries by itself. This ink doesn't dry unless it's, it's heated. Um, so it has to go through the heater. And I, I know any time that I haven't, again, I haven't worked with, with my dad or my brother in a while, but when I used to help them out, uh, I used to get this ink all over me. Like it was, a, it was cool, but all, at the same time, it was good that it didn't dry because you could kind of get it off of things, but it was also bad that it didn't dry because it would wear off on everything. And so it would be all over my hands, even my shoes, my, my shirt. And then when I, when I used to live at home with my parents, uh, my dad would come home and you would know where my dad was or if he'd been in the house because there'd be ink everywhere. You, he'd get it on the door, on the handles, on the floor. Like you could just follow the tracks and find my dad. It'd be all over the place. It's just so hard. I, I guess especially when, when they were new at that, it was so hard to figure out how to handle all the ink. But Jesus changes everything that he touched. Everywhere he goes, the situation changes. He's not affected by your situation. He affects your situation. He's not changed by, by the mess that you're in. He changes the mess that you're in. Jesus, he got dirty. He, he sacrificed his life for you. When the woman was caught in adultery and brought before Jesus, he got down in the dirt and he pulled her up. He doesn't just wait for you to pull yourself up. No, he gets down there with you and he pulls you out of that mess. No situation's too bad. No situation's too big. No heartbreak is too, too far gone. God, he wants to help you and he's willing to do whatever it takes to be with you in your situation. John chapter one, verse five, it says, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Then another version of this says, the darkness has not overcome it. It's that Jesus 
He's not overcome or worried or threatened by the darkness because he is the light. And darkness will never overcome the light because that's not how it works. Light is meant to permeate and fill the darkness. And that's what Jesus does. We sing that song, when you walk into the room. It's not that Jesus isn't here. The point of that song is just saying where Jesus goes, where whatever situation he steps into changes. Nothing's too big for God. And you may feel like, well, your situation is an exception. Or maybe Jesus didn't have that situation in mind when he said, I, I, I will, I am willing. Or, or maybe you've been in a situation for a while and you're just worried, well, maybe God actually won't come through. No, God is willing. He, he says it here, I am willing. Don't, don't be uh, worried about what this situation looks like because God's not afraid. He's willing, he's able, he's ready. Number two, Willingness is part of God's character. I really love this one because the I, the am, and I am willing, when, it, when Jesus said, I am willing, he didn't say things like I am to express feelings or emotions. He never said things like I'm tired or I am um, feeling sick or I'm angry. He didn't just say things like that. When he said, I am, when he had a statement like that, it meant something. It spoke to his character. And so when he said, I am willing, well, he wasn't just saying, I'm, I'm feeling willing in this moment. I, uh, I, I think I'll help you out. I'm feeling a little generous today. No, no he's saying, I am willing. I, I'm willing to help you no matter what the situation is. I'm always willing to help you. Um, scholars and, and theologians will say that there are seven very I am, uh, they're very defining I am statements in the book of John. If you read the book of John, Jesus says I am a lot. And there's a lot of just super powerful statements where he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. I am the door to the sheep. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. All right, those are his, his seven famous I am statements. And I know my opinion wasn't asked when John wrote his gospel and when theologians established these seven statements, but I firmly believe that I am willing belongs on that list because that speaks to the very nature and the very character of God and what he wants to do in your life and what he wants his relationship with you to look like. And it's one thing just to say, I am willing, and, and just to say that statement, I mean, we, most of us will at some point say something like, yeah, I want to help. Yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, I'm going to do this. You know, sometimes I do that myself, but then do we always follow through with it? Maybe not. You know, there's been things that I actually have wanted to do that I haven't followed through with, or things that I've said that I'm going to do that I haven't followed through with. But it's one thing that for Jesus just to say, I am willing, but he actually lived it. He actually demonstrated it with everything that he did, with all the miracles, with all the healings, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus healed everybody he came in contact with. There were no exceptions. There, were no, there, there was no time where he said, You know what? I'm not going to heal you right now, or, or I'm tired, or whoa, you, you're, you've got leprosy really bad. So 
I'm just not even gonna mess with that. No, he healed every single person. In Acts 10, 38, it, it says that, um, how Jesus anointed God, uh, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. He's very, uh, the, the, the author of this is very clear about saying that the sickness is an oppression by the devil, but Jesus came to heal those people. He came to set you free. He, he demonstrated it in everything that he did, the way that he lives, lived his life, and you have to know that God is always willing in every situation, no exceptions. He wants to help you. And you might be wondering, how can I make a statement like that? How, what about unanswered prayer, right? Or what about the times that, uh, you, you know, it's easy to say God is willing and that he always wants to help and that he's always going to help. But what about the times that, that he, I feel like he didn't? Or, or what about the times where the situation didn't work out how I wanted it to or how I expected it to? But if you really understand God's character, because his character is who he is, and, and a statement like, I am willing, if you truly understand that that's part of God's character, you won't be distracted with questions like that. Sometimes we get so focused on the things that, that went wrong and try to figure out why did they go wrong? Did I not pray enough? Did I not um, talk to God enough? Did I not have enough faith? And we just get so focused on those things. Sometimes we forget to, to look at the things that God is doing for our lives. And, and God, the cool thing about God is he's always working. He's always moving on your behalf. He's always working for you behind the scenes. He goes unnoticed so often. But I love Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 in the Amplified Version, where it says, and he himself existed and is before all things, and in him all things hold together. His is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. This, this, this verse right here is really powerful to me because it really shows that God is the one who's holding everything together. He's the cohesive force of the universe. He's the, the glue that's holding everything together. And he's always working behind the scenes on your behalf. He's always doing things. And, and he's, he's so often underappreciated and undervalued when the truth is that he's working in your life and he's doing things for you and he's constantly moving and is never going to stop. I, uh, I, I have a, a really cool story uh, that, that kind of goes along with this from when I traveled to the Philippines last year. Um, I got to actually go uh, to one of the, the active volcanoes that, that was outside of Manila. And this volcano hadn't erupted in, in 43 years. Um, and I, I got to go there with Josh Quintero. He's also a member of our church. Um, and we got to go hike this mountain, this volcano. We, we had a tour guide who, who took us to it, who, who we got to hike up the mountain with. And we got to the very top of it where you got to look into the crater. And if we can go ahead and show that first picture, Brooke. This is a picture of the volcano, that lake right there on the left. There's a, a lake in the middle of this volcano, and that's actually where, uh, the, that's the active part of the volcano. And so you can just see all the greenery and just how beautiful um, this volcano was. And you know, nobody had any idea of when it was supposed to erupt again. There were no indications, nothing like that. Um, but it, that, that was from, I believe, November 22nd or so. 
Well, it actually erupted January 12th of this year. So less than a month and a half after I was here, it, was, it erupted. And it was a, a huge eruption. You know, it went on for, I, I believe, one or two weeks. It displaced so many people. It caused a lot of damage. Can you go to the next picture, Brooke? This is a picture from far away of what that eruption looked like. That's crazy, right? And if you'll go to the next picture, Brooke, this is some of the aftermath of it, right? So much, and most of that, it's just covered in ash, right? That's what a lot of that is. And, and when I saw that that was happening less than a month and a half after I was actually there, I was just awestruck because I, I realized that what if, and, and you know, this may have been a completely unreasonable thought, but like, what if I was there when that happened? And I probably would have had time to evacuate and whatever, but like, what if, what if the entire time, <laughs> what if the time that I was supposed to be there Things had already started shifting and magma had already started boiling to the surface and this thing was getting ready to explode. But what if God recognized that I was going to be there that day and he sent his angels down and he calmed this volcano and he held down the pressure and he cooled the magma or did whatever he needed to do. And this entire time, I'm just going on enjoying my life, loving the scenery, not realizing that God the entire time was behind the scenes working for me, making sure that I was safe. And that just blew my mind, the fact that God God does that even when I don't notice it, even when I don't ask it. He's always working on your behalf. And you may say, oh, just a coincidence. And yeah, maybe it was a coincidence or maybe it was God. I don't know. Uh, the definition of a coincidence is a remarkable concurrence of events or circumstances without apparent casual, causal connection. Um, in other words, it's an unexplainable connection, right? So saying um, something is a coincidence is just a way of saying, I don't have an explanation, whereas God is an explanation. And God is the answer to the things you can't explain. He is the cohesive force that holds the universe together, the source of every good and perfect gift, the one who will never stop working on your behalf, the one who's always willing to intervene in your situation. And, and why do we get so hung up on the times that things didn't work out exactly like we wanted or, or like we hoped? What about the time that you were almost in that car accident, but you weren't? What about the time that, that, that everybody at your work got laid off, but you weren't? What about all the times that God has been working on your behalf that you never even took a second to think about? And, and what right do we have to look at the situation that didn't work out and call into question God's very own character when the Bible has made it so clear that God is willing, that he wants to, to help you. He wants to work things out. He goes out of his way to do things for you, even when you don't ask and even when you don't notice, he's always working on your behalf. And how much more can he do for your life if you actively expect him to move and you actively invite him into your situation? God is ready. He's eager. He's just waiting for you to just say, God, I need your help. God, I want you to do this for me. God, I'm feeling sick, so I need your healing. And he says, all right, you've got it. Here it is. He wants to help. He's eager because willingness is a part of God's character. It's a part of who he is. And that's not something that's going to change. Number three, God needs you to be willing to receive. And then in the end, this is what it comes down to, is uh, God has done everything he needs to do to get his blessing to you. Jesus Christ has already sacrificed his life for you, but God needs you to be willing to receive his help. 
He needs you to be willing to receive that sacrifice. If we go back to Matthew 8, 3, he said, be cleansed. He's telling the leper, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So even though Jesus cleansed him, there was still an action on his part to take. He had to go present himself to the priest because as part of the law in the old covenant, part of the law of Moses, is if you were cleansed from leprosy, you had to have an official declaration of yourself being cleansed by the priest. Someone had to, to declare that cleanliness over you. And it's interesting that Jesus already told this man he was cleansed, so he was, but at the same time, there was something else that had to happen. Jesus had done his part, but there was a part that the man had to play in this. So there had to be this official declaration that you're now clean. Well, who has that power now? You do. Who's the priest in this situation? You are. Who has the power to declare health over your life? You do. Who has the power to receive the blessing of God into your life? You do. Who has the power uh, to expect God to move in your situation? You do. And that's what it's going to boil down to is if you're in a situation and you need God's help, well, you first got to know God is willing, but you've got to be willing to invite him into your situation. Um, my, my, I... My, if you've been to my house, you know um, that I'm all about smart, te smart technology. Uh, so I've got like four or five Google Homes throughout my house. I'm working on getting all my devices set up on a smart home. And before y'all th start throwing rocks at me, I know I've gotten all the lectures. You think the government's spying on me. You think that technology is controlling my life. I just think it's fun. All right, I'm not worried about any of that. So I've got all my TVs are smart. So I control them all through my Google Home. I've got my thermostat, even my Roomba, all right? It's all, I can just be like, hey, Google. I'm actually afraid to say Google because every time I do, it actually starts doing something. No Googles in here. I just say, hey, Google, uh, turn on my, my Roomba. And it says, all right, activating Ryan. They all have names. So room, Ryan is my Roomba, all right? And it's so, it's so, I just enjoy it. It's not like it's that much more efficient, you know? It's, sometimes it's easier just to turn the switch on but it's just fun for me to be able to tell Google to do something and it does it. I like programming things. I like that kind of thing. But whenever I have a guest over or somebody is trying to use an item in my home, they have no idea how to do it. They don't know what they're supposed to tell Google. You know, when they turn on the light switch, it might not actually come on because it's controlled by a smart device. Um, if they need to change the temperature or watch Netflix on TV, I don't have remotes laying out most of the time. I just tell Google, hey, let's watch whatever it is on Netflix, and it does it. That's just fun for me. But I never think about the inconvenience it causes other people when they come over. But the thing is, I have all of the equipment. I have the TVs. I have everything. I have all the stuff that I want, and people can use it, but it has to be voice activated. You have to tell Google the right command. And if you're in a situation, listen, Jesus has already done everything he needs to do. He's already made the sacrifice and he's already paid the price, but you gotta start using your voice. You gotta start saying, God, I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. And right now I receive that healing that he paid to give me. I receive the blessing that he died to bless me with. You gotta, you gotta activate it by the words that you say, the things that you speak. 
You gotta be intentional about declaring the word of God over your life, over your situation. If you're in a situation, then start waking up in the morning and start speaking scripture over your life until that situation changes. Start standing in faith and declaring that your situation must change. And, and maybe you put up a barrier between yourself and God and decided that uh, for whatever reason, maybe you aren't worthy to receive his blessing, or maybe you shouldn't ask for his help, or maybe you don't deserve his help. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter what you deserve. It, it doesn't, it's not fair that you punish yourself over the things that you've done when Jesus Christ has already made the ultimate sacrifice and he's already been punished for your mistakes you know, let go of, of, of whatever barrier it is that's stopping you from receiving from God, whatever guilt, whatever shame, whatever it is, let it go and let God help you. Let him come into your situation because that's why, he, he, that's why Jesus came to this earth. You know, Jesus came to, to heal the brokenhearted and heal the sick. That was his purpose and his mission on this earth. It's, it's the broken people that need Jesus. You, why, why do you need healing if you're already healed? You don't. Jesus came for the broken and the lost. You've heard the, the parable in Matthew 8, 12, probably, about how uh, the shepherd leaves the 99 sheep who are well off to go after the one. Because, and that's not to say he doesn't love and care about the 99. Oh, he absolutely does. But it's so important that every lost person receives the help that Jesus came to give them. And that was his purpose. He said it um, when he quoted Isaiah 61 verse 1, where it's, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to the opening of the prison to those who are bound. In Micah chapter 7 verse 18, and I'm just, I'm just throwing some at you, he said that God delights in showing mercy. This is who God is. This is what he does. He wants to help you, you've got to let him help you. 1 John 3, 8, and again, I'm just, I'm just listening for you because I want you to understand. It says, he who sins is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. This was Jesus's purpose. This is why he came to this earth. He did it for you. He did it because you were so dead in your sin that there was nothing else that could be done for you. He did it because you were so lost that you never would have found your way on your own. He did it because your heart was so broken that there was nothing else that could have mended those pieces together. This was Jesus' purpose. He was so convinced of his purpose. He, had, he was so mission-minded. He was so focused. You know, there, there's a story in, in um, the Gospels where he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. 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 Is that it? And you probably heard the story where he says he's, he's in the garden, and this is right before he gets betrayed and gets crucified. And he says the famous words, Lord, let this cup pass for me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. And, and the physician Luke actually records that he began to sweat great drops of blood, all right? This is a medical condition. 
This means that Jesus is actually dying in that garden. You know, this is the moment that this, the, the weight of the sins of the world are being transferred onto Jesus's shoulders, you know, the, a weight that he'd never known. And I can imagine the confusion. A man who never sinned in his life is now all of a sudden starting to feel this burden and this weight. And he, he must have been so confused. And he said those words, let this cut pass from me. And, and he's saying, God, I know that I, I need to get to the cross. I've got a mission in mind. And if I don't die on the cross, then, then my entire purpose is gone. Then I missed out on what I was supposed to do. Then these last X amount of years that I've been on this earth were all for nothing because I've got a mission. I've got to get to the cross. And he asked God, he said, God, just please get me to that cross. That's what he's saying when he's saying, let this cup pass from me. He's saying, I'm not meant to die here. I'm meant to die on the cross for your sin because I've got a purpose and because I came for you, you as an individual. You're, there's no exceptions to who he died to save. Every single one of you are meant to have this relationship with God. And so you may be here and, and you may have considered putting your faith in God, but maybe it's just seemed so difficult. And let me tell you, it's not. Faith is, is just that. It's faith. It's making the decision to believe. And again, Start speaking that because your, your words have power. But if, if, you've just, if you've been considering letting him into your situation, do it. If you've been considering inviting him into your life, well, do it right now because there, there's no time like the present, right? Don't, don't let another moment pass where, where you're just squandering in, in your lack and in, in your defeat and in your pain. Let God into your situation and forget all the reasons why we shouldn't. Yeah, maybe we're not worthy. Yeah, maybe we didn't deserve it. Yeah, maybe we put ourselves in this situation, but God doesn't care because Jesus has a mission and it's to help you. He is willing, so let him into your situation. I am willing. Whenever you're doubting, just hear those words. Hear God speak those words to you. He says, I am willing. And whenever your situation doesn't go right, just remember no, God is willing. And whenever you're hurting, just remember God is, is willing to, to help you. And whenever you're sad and lonely and defeated, know that God is actually willing to comfort you. And that's not just some vague Christian thing that we say. It's real. The Holy Spirit is real. And he lives inside of you as a believer. And he's your ever-present help in time of need. He is the comforter. That's one of, of, of the names that he's referred to as. The Holy Spirit lives inside. He is the comforter. And so whenever you're doubting, just hear God say, I am willing. I am willing to heal you. I am willing to restore to you everything that was lost. I am willing to fix that that was broken. I am willing to get down in the dirt and to pull you out of that situation. That's who God is. That's what he wants to do for you. God's willingness isn't affected by your condition. Willingness is a part of God's character. And God needs you to be willing to receive. So receive that today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this family. God, whatever confusion they have, whatever misunderstanding, whatever fear, whatever guilt, whatever sorrow, whatever shame, whatever pride, whatever relationship, whatever, whatever it is, God, I thank you that right now they're just developing this whole new understanding that you're willing. Not only are you able, not only can you, God, but you're willing, and I just 
I'm taking this moment to speak that over every single life, God. I declare your blessing to be upon them, God, that you already sent it to us. And so right now we receive it. And I declare your health to be upon everybody that's sick. I declare your favor to be upon everybody who's in a a tricky situation. I declare your blessing, God, that just your all-encompassing, supernatural, abundant blessing to be with every single person here this morning and just keep your, your head bowed for me with just, just one more minute. If you're in here and maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ and, and you maybe didn't know how, um, maybe you thought it was just a really difficult thing to do or maybe you thought you had to get your life together first before you could invite him into it, you don't. And having a relationship with God is the easiest thing that you could ever do, but it's also the most important thing. And so if, if you haven't invited him into your life, I'm gonna ask you to do that with me this morning because here's the truth. God loved you so much and he, he loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. That Jesus Christ, he was buried in a grave, that he rose again on the third day. And anybody who believes in that gets to experience an eternity in heaven with God. And so if you're in here this morning and you, wanna, you want salvation, you want this relationship with God, you want to invite Jesus into your life, will you just raise your hand so I can pray with you? I'm just gonna ask, I'm just gonna ask everyone to just say this prayer with me. Can you all just repeat after me? Father, thank you that you loved me so much that you sent your only son Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. Today I believe in his sacrifice. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 